Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, we're talking today about a phenomenon, right? Uh, The average kid has tons of teachers throughout the course of their educational career, and yet it's quite fascinating that we really only remember, really remember a handful uh, for every student. Yeah, that's so true. So I did some guesstimating uh, in my K-12 years, and then bachelor's degree, and then master's degree, and then doctoral degree. I think I counted 72 faculty members. Okay. And then some taught different courses, but 72 total. Uh, I th- Because I remember the subjects, that's why I remember the subjects. Yeah. I think I only remember... I don't know, maybe six to 12 really well that I really connected with. And that is really our topic of today. How do we move from superficial connections with our students to significant connections? Absolutely. Same thing for me. I I actually had about 70 teachers as well. um, And I remember... Again, just a handful. I, I thought of Miss McCabe in third grade who found a way to make teaching us our multiplication tables really fun. All of us were so excited to learn them. Yeah. I think of uh, Miss Scott, one of my English teachers in high school, and what was significant about her is she she treated us, talked to us like we were adults. Yeah. And that was one of the first times I remember that ever happening, and it created this connection between her and her her classes. But again, same thing. It's sort of an interesting phenomenon where some teachers sort of create this connection that goes beyond just the student-teacher relationship. And we really want to explore today why and how does that happen? Yeah. Well, you and I have both learned, Andrew, there is a direct correlation between the relationship that's developed between teacher and student and the performance of that student. Absolutely. Uh, I, we've said it a million times, even though it's just anecdotal, a student learns better from a teacher that they believe actually likes them. Uh, yeah. And so It seems so basic, but it, it doesn't happen it's very true. often, it feels so like. So Mrs. Mayo, my fourth and fifth grade teacher, uh, Mr. Mosher, a high school teacher, uh, Mr. Dr. Autry in college... All great memories, just like you. But mm-hmm. I think when I look back, it wasn't the subject that was so brilliant. Yeah. It was them. So yeah. how do we do this? That's our that's our topic. Absolutely. Well, um, I know this has been a challenging year. That might go without saying at this <laughs> yeah. point. Uh, yeah. 2020 was a challenging year. We're here in 2021, and we're really asking the question of how do we improve it, especially when so many teachers keep giving us the same message, which is, I'm exhausted. We've heard that so many times. Yeah, we have. Well, and part of the problem is because we're exhausted, it's just too much work to do the extra stuff besides the subject. So, Andrew, I brought this up before. You and I have talked about it before, but the uh, virtual focus group I did with um, student athletes, Mm -hmm. one baseball player, sophomore baseball player said, and I've got the quote right here, he said, Dr. Tim... I get the feeling our coach doesn't know how to have normal conversations (laughs) that aren't about baseball. Yeah. He went on to say, I mean, I like him and everything. So there's the little disclaimer. Yes. But he says, I don't think he's sure about what to do these days. We're like fish out of water. Mm. And so listeners, if that's how you feel right now, I know math. I don't know this. Uh, This is for you today. Absolutely. So really what it comes down to, I think, even in the midst of a stressful year, is a reprioritization of how we interact with our students. Yeah. Um, in the midst of really stressful times, what you can, what we've all sort of been conditioned to do is to kind of lean on the lowest common denominator or the, here's what I absolutely have yeah. to get done. And what we do oftentimes is we sacrifice things we think are less important, yeah. but research is showing over and over again, sometimes the thing we sacrifice first 
is the actually the most important thing, and that is the relationship we have with our students. Absolutely. So one 2014 survey found that 80% of kids thought that their parents cared more about their achievement academically mm. than their happiness or their self-interest. So clearly, mom and dad, the amygdala started kicking in in their brain. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we got to make sure your performance stays up if you're going to get into Georgia Tech or Yale. So they push, 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 and the kid actually, I, I think, recoils and, and does worse. In fact, the, the data shows they don't do as well. So it's ironic and it's counterintuitive, but the more we push for results and not relationships, uh, the, the worse the results become. If we'll push for relationships, the results tend to follow suit. Absolutely. So really, I'm, I just want to summarize what you just yeah. said. Relationships before results. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the way that we, again, in a stressful time, we yeah. would not be conditioned to think that's the next step. But the reality is when you put relationships before results, yeah. as you just said, results can often follow. So Absolutely. what a great principle for us to live by. So um, I remember being in fourth grade when the 1968 uh, Hong Kong flu mm-hmm. pandemic. Yeah. I know that's in your history books, yeah. but it was in my current diary <laughs> yes. journal. It's in time. your memory banks yeah. and my history books. Yeah. Yes. So I happened to be in the fourth and fifth grade those years. Okay. I was nine and 10 years old. Uh, it was the last pandemic our world had faced. When I showed symptoms of the flu, uh, I was sent home for an extended period of time because they didn't know. In fact, what we did was we quarantined, we, we quarantined people that had symptoms, not everybody else. Yeah. So that was a little switcheroo for, yep. t- for today. But uh, my teacher, Mrs. Mayo, that I mentioned earlier, didn't have the option of teaching me on a screen virtually. There were no screens virtually. But she knew the importance of connections with her students. So she got creative. Um, she visited me at, at home. She drove over to my house. She lived, um, I'm going to guess, maybe four or five miles away. So it wasn't a long yeah. trip. But she it took came an to effort, my neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a kid in her class. I don't know how many other kids she did this that were missing school. But she visited me at home, brought me some soup. Uh, she wrote me notes along with the assignments and even called twice to see how I was doing. It, it was the equivalent of a doctor making house calls. That's yeah. what I felt. Now, the result... I would have given my life to Mrs. Bay. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. whatever she's asking, I'm saluting and say, yes, ma'am. Yeah. And she taught me to say, yes, ma'am. She was also a stickler on, you know, just etiquette and courtesy. But the point was, it was the relationship, not, oh, I love the subject social studies that you're teaching. That, that made me love the subject she was teaching. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's a reason why you remember Mrs. Mayo, why yeah. I've heard you tell many stories about yeah. her is because she was that kind of teacher, right? Yeah. Because she made the effort to build a relationship. Now, we're not necessarily suggesting every teacher listening to this yeah. needs to get in their car and start doing house calls. Yeah. But I think it is a, a, a mindset shift that Mrs. Mayo had to say, I care about my students beyond just, you know, how well are they performing, but I see them differently. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot, a lot, a lot of yeah. uh, of students who, because they don't have that, are experiencing um, difficulties in a lot of different ways. So um, I, I won't get into a whole lot of research, but there are fascinating studies that are following student performance today and uh, how they're responding. And one study found that ma- the majority of students, 56% of students, report low motivation to get schoolwork done. Yeah, over and half. I just, yeah, and I just wonder, could that st- statistic be flipped on its head? Were teachers to actually make the effort and spend the time, create some significance in those relationships. Yeah, I think so. 
Awesome. Well, I know as we uh, talked about this and really the, the place we're headed towards is how do we do this, right? Yeah. That's really the question that we find ourselves in. So we want to talk about seven ideas. You want to bring seven ideas for creating significant conversations. How do you bridge the gap, build that relationship, and create the significance that really is exactly what we're talking about? Yeah. So walk us through that. Well, listeners, we decided on seven ideas. Not that they were, they, they were not the most spectacular ideas, but they were the ones that were doable. Yes. We felt like all seven of these ideas, anybody could say, I could do that tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, fasten your seatbelts. Here are the seven ideas. Number one, uh, this is one that many teachers are doing these days, but visit a couple of students weekly for emotional check-ins, kind of like Mrs. Mayo did, but you got them on a screen. You can kind of see on that laptops you've got which ones aren't really engaging as well. Uh, some that are multitasking while they're taking their class. Yes. We've talked about those. Yeah. We, we ha we've had college students doing, doing a shift at work and uh, yeah. flossing their teeth and yes. other things while the class is going on. Yeah. So just visiting them for emotional check-ins. That doesn't mean you need, need to get closer than six feet. We yeah. know the rules and wearing a mask, but we just have found these emotional check-ins where you don't even bring up the subject they're supposed to be learning, but just how are you doing? goes a long way. I love that. And it, I mean, like, even if you got to drive by their house and hold up a sign yeah. that says, I care about yeah. you, because I've talked to several teachers who are like, I'd love to do that. My student won't respond to yeah. it, you know. Yeah. But I think just making that extra effort, even if you got to knock on a window and say, We're, I'm rooting for you today, uh, I think can go a really long way with students. So I was leading a nonprofit years ago, and we had interns. Uh, Michael Stroh was one of the student interns that worked for me. I was very much result-oriented, and still am, you might say, <laughs> but I've learned this lesson. And, and would I need to relearn it? I need to relearn it, you know, this year. But Michael Stroh set up an appointment with me, and I knew something must be wrong because he usually didn't require one-on-one -on -one time. Mm -hmm. But he sat down with me, and he stunned me with his simple question. He just said, do you even like me? Mm. And I thought, why would you think I wouldn't? And so I, I asked that. And as it turns out, in short, it was because I was just pushing for results. And he wanted those same results, but he, he needed to know his teacher liked him, yeah. you know? So sh shame on me. But um, those emotional check-ins are what he needed. We started doing that. Michael and I have stayed in relationship, oh gosh, 30 years later, 40 years, you know, just decades later. But um, in fact, he's a pilot now. But the point was... Uh, he needed something besides what I was teaching yep. to make it okay. Yeah, and when you made that effort, it transformed your relationship. Yeah, that's right. That's good. All right, number two. Question number two, scratch where they itch. Now, this is not literal, ladies and gentlemen. You're yes. on the screen, but, <laughs> yeah. but let me tell you what I mean. You know what this term means. It's a, it's a metaphor. Students are seeking more support services, including strategies for better sleep during these days, um, how to balance screen time uh, with face-to-face with -face time, 11th and 12th graders reported that they're concerned about changes to their mood. So they're, so they're thinking about these they're things. They're self-aware, yeah. yeah. So 33% in 11th graders, 40% in 12th graders. Huh. Along with this, um, students in all grades wanted the school to plan virtual meetups where it wasn't about teaching, you know, reading, yeah, writing. It's like study hall on Zoom Yeah, or that's right. Mm -hmm. But they were asking for that. So when we lean in, and actually say, well, okay, we can do that. We can lead this way. Even though it's extra time on our part and then on their part, I just think it makes the, the connection uh, move from superficial to significant. Mm. So yeah. part of this starts, honestly, to scratch where they itch, you got to know where are they itching. Yeah. So part of it starts with listening, you know. Yeah, what services are they begging for? What I'm things sorry, are what they... did you say? Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, I'm, sorry, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's the oldest joke we have, man. Uh, but it, it really is. I mean, it comes down to what what pain yeah. are they experiencing? What questions do they have? What services or support are they asking for? Yeah. And sometimes you got to seek them out. They're not going to yeah. walk up to you or hop on the Zoom call in front of 30 of their peers and go, yeah. here's what I need right now. Sometimes yeah. we have to make that effort. Yeah, and so when we listen and then become responsive to them, I believe they will be to us. Once yes. again, it's a reciprocal uh, relationship. We need to be vulnerable ourselves, be human, be real. And then the moment we let our guard down and we begin to lean in, yeah. I really believe the lean in comes back. So, yep. When we make the effort, it yeah. shows that we care. Yep. So that's great. Number three. Number three. The third simple doable idea is find ways to get to know them outside the academic subject. So we've already touched on a second cousin to this, but this means not only are you talking about subjects other than reading, writing, arithmetic, but you're actually pursuing uh, getting to know them. So um, why not play your own version of human bingo? We've all played that game yeah. in some youth group or class or PE or whatever, but create a bingo card with the unusual descriptions in each box, uh, you know, like I've been a, on a vacation to Hawaii or you know some, some unusual fact, yeah. but then you allow the students with you and them to really get acquainted with each other. Um, we, I, we have just found this sparks conversation about stuff you would have never talked about in a normal classroom because you're asking them to, to share yeah. some information about their own life. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, another strategy is we've seen teachers do kind of a, uh, your bedroom um, show and tell, right? So grab something from your room that says something about you and come show it on the Zoom call yeah. and share, take a minute and just share what does this say about you? What can we learn about you from that guitar you picked up or that trophy from your uh, dresser or whatever it is? And that's another great way to create a little human connection yeah. in math class or science yeah. class or whatever it is. Absolutely. So let's do idea number four. Okay. I'm seeing the clock is ticking on us here. Um, the fourth idea is host outcome-based conversations. So conversations, we're for it, but uh, go deeper. Outcome-based conversations uh, really help us move from superficial to significant more mm -hmm. quickly when we shift the theme of the conversation to outcomes, not just inputs. Yeah. Meaning, where would they like to see their life in the years ahead? What do they talk about? What do they dream about? What do they cry about? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know those are very personal questions, but when you start looking at the future, I believe purpose and ambition get connected. Yeah. When I have a purpose, my ambition goes up. I yeah. watch this with my own children mm -hmm. as they became adults. So I, I just believe that outcome-based conversations that are not pushy, but you're just asking, hey, what do you see yourself to? What would you love to do? What are you dreaming about, et cetera? Yeah. I just think that's key. For a, So as an example, an input-based conversation would be, why did you not get that math problem yeah. correct? You <laughs> yeah. know, Outcome-based conversation is, what do you, what kind of grades do you want to achieve mm -hmm. as you exit school, right? What goals are you trying yeah. to set yourself up for? And that could change the, the pathway and the mindset for a lot of students. Yeah, and the tone of the conversation, for mm -hmm. sure. So idea number five, uh, create a survey for students to take that enables you to get to know them better. I love so that. So again, this is moving from superficial to significant. Uh, it's a speedy way to get to know each other. Uh, it, it, just creating a survey that asks them all kinds of questions about their interests, hobbies, favorite food, favorite movie, places they've been. Uh, and then when you get the chance to talk, you have a starting point. You're not just at ground zero. You go, you know, I noticed you like the Pittsburgh Pirates or, yeah. or whatever. 
this um, is a, a pro tip is we use a platform called Typeform, and that allows you to actually put GIFs and memes and uh -huh. funny things as a part of the survey. The kids really love it. We love doing that using that format because it helps uh, make it a little more exciting to take a survey. So. Absolutely. And so I recommend not just once a year, maybe two to three times a year. I love just, it. Just if nothing else, it lets them know I care about your life outside of this this class. All right. Good. Number six, offer some personal feedback. Write notes and send social media messages. So there's many, many, many teachers that are doing this. We just want to say don't miss the chance to do a free, cheap, you know, easy way to just let them know you're, yeah. you're caring about them, you're thinking about them. Um, this requires extra effort for sure. But what if you wrote a note to each one of your students where you pointed out something specific about their life where they could tell it wasn't a generic note? Mm. What if you offered feedback to them beyond a mere grade? What if you sent a message on TikTok or Snapchat that was fun and had nothing to do with the subject? Uh, this makes you come across more human and enables them to kind of remove um, the walls themselves. I love it. Yeah. I love it. All right. The last seventh idea. Uh, use images and stories. I, I know if you've listened to our podcast over and over. I can't believe you're talking about images I know. and it's, stories. It's hard. It's, it's shocking. <laughs> but we have just d dug up the research uh, and then actually done some research to show that the use of images, stories, and metaphors elicit conversations and engagements. We've all said pictures worth a thousand words. Yes. We've proved it at yeah. Growing Leaders. So few things actually launch conversation more than, than pictures and stories. So Socrates was the first one, I think, to ever say, the soul does not think without a picture. Yes. So when you do this, your job is to listen and guide, but get the prompts from their comments and then take it, take it, take it deeper. Um, I just think that's key. I love it. Yeah. Such great examples. Um, so, yeah. Do you want to wrap up? I know yeah. we had talked about one example you have that you yeah. were thinking about of a teacher who did this quite well. Oh, my gosh. Andrew, you and I have talked about this story before. Listeners, you may have heard this story before because it's been in books and articles. But decades ago, I remember hearing an, an educator uh, and then and seeing her. She, write, she wrote an article about this. Her name was Miss Thompson. And one of the students in her elementary school class, I believe it was third grade, yeah. his name was Teddy, Teddy Stollard. And Teddy, she described him at first as a bit of a troublemaker. He seemed to be, um, there was a lot of attention-seeking behaviors, you know, kids like that. Yes. They just do we things all do. Yeah. off the wall, and you go, bless his heart, he's looking for someone to pay attention to him. But I mean, these were pretty destructive, harmful, and clearly distracting behaviors in class. Yeah. And Ms. Thompson would even keep a, a personal journal and just write about how frustrated she was at the end of every day. She thought, I may have to put him in a different class because I can't take this until December rolled around of the fall semester. Ms. Thompson had a Christmas party or a holiday party for all of her students, and students were bringing in gifts to each other, et cetera, et cetera. Teddy, she happened to notice, brought in a gift for her as well. Huh. So she thought, this is strange. This troublemaker actually brought me a gift, which he did. You know, maybe he's one a higher grade. I don't know, you know. <laughs> but when it came time for her to open her gift at the end of the class period, the kids were about to go to the break. She opened, there were two boxes. She opened up one, and it was a bottle of perfume, which was very nice. Yeah. But it was a half-used bottle of perfume. Clearly, it... It was either from a garage sale or from his house, from someone, you know, that had used it already. Yeah. So, but, but she quickly saw kids chuckling, thinking, oh, they're going to make fun of Teddy again. Mm -hmm. So she quickly sprayed it on her neck and her wrist and thought, oh, my gosh, smell this. This is so good. And 
Teddy, of course, smiled really big. Mm-hmm. And then she opened to the second box, and the second box was not perfume. It was a, it was a chain of pearls, uh, a necklace of pearls. Wow. She, but several of the pearls were missing, so there was as much string as it was pearls. Oh. And again, the kids started laughing. She thought, I better recover here. I better redeem this. And so she said, oh, look at these pearls she put around her neck. Look, oh, my gosh, I look beautiful, don't I? This is great. Teddy, thank you. Well, when the bell rang, all the kids exit. Teddy doesn't exit. He stays around. But he's not causing trouble. He's, he's quiet. And then he approaches Miss Thompson's desk, and he sheepishly says, Miss Thompson, I'm really glad you like the perfume. Mm. You smell just like my mom used to smell. And I'm glad you like the pearls. You look just like my mom. Well, he left at that point, but she realized, oh, my gosh, something must have happened to his mom. Mm-hmm. And so she checked the records, and she felt embarrassed that she hadn't known it ahead of time. The last couple of years had been very hard. His mom had been uh, in the hospital for a lengthy period of time, and eventually she had passed away the year before. And now Teddy's attention-seeking behaviors were quite predictable. Yeah. It didn't excuse them, but it did explain them. Yeah. And of course, dad was trying to you know, work and then keep the house together, and it was just hard. And so Miss Thompson was the one he wanted attention from. Mm. So I'm getting choked up telling this story, but um, at the end of the year, uh, Teddy said, Miss Thompson, thank you for the way you helped me this year because she had started leaning in. In fact, the spring semester was very different than the fall semester. Yeah. She had leaned in and put him to work, asked him to race the chalkboard after class, and yada, yada, yada. And so um, Miss Thompson had just cr- created a turnaround. And so he thanked her at nine years old. Thank you. You made a big difference in my life. And every year after that, Miss Thompson said in her article, I got a letter. And she said years later, it was a decade later, he's graduated from high school. And he wrote the note and simply said, Miss Thompson, this is Teddy. Do you remember me? Uh, He said, I'm graduating high school. Bet you thought I could never do that. Just wanted to write you a thank you note to say, I don't think I could have done it without you. Hmm. So he's 18 now. Four years later, he graduates college. Dear Miss Thompson, another note. Graduating college this year. Bet you thought I could never do that. Don't think I would have made it without you. Four years later, I think it was another four years later, he's got his doctorate. He's become an MD. Mm. Dear Miss Thompson, graduated first in my class from medical school. Bet you thought I could never do that. Um, and, of course, his grades just kept going up. He's, what a turnaround. Bottom line, a few years after this, and, of course, she's keeping all these letters, you know. It was a few years later he writes her and says, Dear Miss Thompson, um, I'm now Dr you know, Theodore Stollard, you know, MD, Uh, I'm going to be getting married this year. And I just wanted to ask if you could come and sit in the place where my mother would have sat. Mm. And she went. And it was an honor. But her article ends with this. I know I wasn't a great instructor, but I got really good relationships. Mm. Teddy's performance went up when, this, when the relationships went from superficial to significant. Mm. Which is exactly, exactly, I think, uh, what we can do today. 
Well, I know if you're like me and you're thinking about all of these uh, strategies, these techniques, even the the mission we have of creating significant connections with students, the, the question remains, how do we do it? Well, we've given you some great ideas today, but if you're looking to take the next step, one great way, it's not the only way out there, but one great way is to utilize a curriculum that we've created at Growing Leaders called Habitudes. You've heard us talk about it before. Habitudes are simply images that form leadership habits and attitudes. As Habitudes has been evaluated and studied, one of the things we have found is the most significant impact Habitudes has is on the student-teacher relationship. It creates opportunity for students and teachers to have conversations about things that matter. It prompts the very yeah. kinds of conversations that we've been talking about today. So if you want to check that out, you can actually try out a free sample, see what it's all about. Go on over to growingleaders.com slash SEL. You can find out about our program, Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning teaches those important skills that we know are so vital to success today and into the future. Well, uh, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars. That, that gets the word out about what we're doing here. Uh, or just share this podcast with a friend if you found it meaningful or helpful. Pass it along to somebody who you think might feel the same way. If you want to connect with us on social media, we love uh, connecting with you there. We are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, things you want us to cover, topics, or people you want us to interview, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those. Tim, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. Thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you next time.